0: Hey everyone, it's Will and James here. Welcome to the Pure Sport Project. We want to jump into the minds of people we find inspiring from all walks
1: of life. Bringing you their stories, lessons learned along the way and future plans. So
0: tune in for some of them wholesome yarns. Welcome back to
1: the Pure Sport Project. Myself and Will are joined by Casper M. Rose. Is that correct? What's the M for?
2: It's Miles, actually, after Miles Davis, the jazz musician. Oh, really? Yeah. Parents were quite into that. My grandparents are English, and they wanted me to have a more formal first name, so my parents gave it to me for a second name.
1: Casper's kind of a cool name. Like, I don't know any other Caspers.
2: No, there's not. Casper Althazar and Balthazar. Casper, I actually forget the A1, but the three kings from Jesus' birth.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That came with frankincense, myrrh, and gold?
2: And gold, yeah. You've
0: got so much about your name. Mine's basically nothing <laughs> other than a tube station in London.
2: Will, there's, isn't, that, isn't that biblical? Well, it doesn't as-
0: sound as cool as Biblical Kings <laughs> and Miles Davis, but how, are, you any, are you a good musician? Terrible. Okay, so you failed your parents. There we go. I feel a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs>
3: wow, 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 wow. Great anyway, start. Yeah, so. Now, I was saying to Kesper earlier, some people are rocking like Gucci sidebags Fendi, all of that. I'm just a kid from Auckland, man, and um, this is high fashion for me. My fresh fitness food side bag. So, yeah, transports food, wallets, phones. Yeah, yeah, it's got my ice pack in there.
2: Do you know where I see a lot of them now? And this is zero reference to you. But I see a lot of, when I say a lot, maybe once a year, homeless people have them actually now, collecting coins of them quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Fresh Fitness Food bags. There's a guy at Fulham Broadway who's got
3: one. Yeah. I mean, look, my front door is right on the main road and I had to organize a key, which is an amazing part of the fresh fitness food. Like, You can actually organize and have your key and they drop off inside the house, which is cool. But before I got around to that, because I'm not very good at admin, before I got around to organizing that, I kindly donated Few of my meals to the local homeless community. Um, okay, they help themselves uh, when it was outside. Cause I miss I missed the phone call from the delivery guy, but it's one of those ones. You know, me fresh Fitness
2: food. We're just doing our best for the for the community of London. Do you know? You know what though? We we ship about a hundred thousand meals a month now, and we have somewhere like I think twenty are stolen. About about 20, 25 are That's stolen. That's a bloody a month. good so ratio. It's Pretty tiny, it's not really a concern. I'll tell you what, though, those characters out
3: there that are getting those meals that are whipping the bags from out front of people's ports they're getting some good meals, man. Like, yeah. Yeah.
2: there are some fit yeah. people out there, they're
3: fueling their ambitions out on the streets of London. But, but now, before I, I, I get out the way, uh, where I'm best suited, pleasure to have you, Casper, fellow Antipodean. Is that the right word? Antipodean, yeah, yeah, Aussie, southern hemisphere but always it's really good to see a you know a, a guy from the other side of the world out here building a, an amazing business and serving people and now we're we're really proud to be aligned with you and um, doing a cool partnership with fresh fitness food and we've loved to we've loved getting to know your team and and you and the community that you've built and, and crossing over and it's a very very like-minded group of people who are health conscious community conscious about their active lifestyle and Something that both of us uh, uh,
2: love promoting. So pleasure to have you, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, looking forward to reading the, meeting the rest of your team as well. Love to go up and say hi before you we... we'll get up. You'll be
3: doing a pre- PowerPoint presentation.
2: I hope it's ready in no time. Great. <laughs>
3: YouTube, YouTube. Nah, good to have you, man. I'll leave you guys to it. Thanks so much, dude. Thanks for the flat white too.
0: Thanks for the coffees, G man. Enjoy your ice cold swag. Peace and love.
1: Right. So I think Grayson kind of explained a little bit about you there. But obviously you're the CEO of Fresh Fitness Foods, but do you want to do yourself an intro? That's what we normally do on these podcasts is we let the guests do their own intros so we don't do them a disservice.
2: Sure. That's a that's a good way of doing it. Originally Australian, as Grayson said, so I grew up in a town called Byron Bay. Have you guys ever been? Paradise. Things to
0: talk about Byron Bay.
3: Yeah.
2: We do. do? Cheeky monkeys or where did you go? Do your intro first and then I'll get straight back into it. We can do the whole podcast about that. I wrote down like business things, but so I grew up there, and when I was about seventeen, I was washing dishes at a place in Byron at the Pass Cafe, which is like on the beach called called the Pass Beach, beautiful spot. And it's funny. Sometimes I reflect that you might I might like graft my whole life to one day end up spending most of my time back at the Pass Cafe. Yeah
0: but not washing dishes
2: hopefully not washing dishes although it was a good life and you finished work pretty early because they didn't do dinners and left school and wasn't quite sure what I was going to do with my life had a kind of interesting gap year so, so to speak and in that period decided to not go to university and to start doing my apprenticeship as a chef and had like a kind of interesting journey into going into that and and what set my focus up for that and maybe we'll touch on it but I only kind of reflect on it here because it's something that served me really well. And in terms of me and my introduction, it's a big, big part of like my trajectory is that I, when I, when I turned 18, I wrote a five-year plan and I'm a massive believer in them. And I kind of utilize them to this day. And we can kind of talk about like the structure of that if you want, but I ended up kind of thinking if I'm going to cook, I need to cook in the best places I can. And my goal was to do my apprenticeship in Michelin star restaurants in Sydney And then make it to London and work for a year in Michelin star restaurants here because you kind of want to tick that box before you go into opening a restaurant and the gravitas that comes with like UK or or French restaurants. So and then after a year here, I was going to work in Saint Tropez on the boats and earn some money and then go back home and kind of try to make it there, you know, Um, and maybe open a restaurant or or buy my mom a house or do something like that. And that was like a a motivation from age eighteen and. I did, did everything in that plan in terms of the time in the Michelin star restaurants in Australia, I worked at a three star and then a two star and some pretty, pretty intense environments throughout that, which I think I learned a lot from particularly around work ethic, not so much about leadership styles. And then came to the uk and worked for gordon ramsay again learned nothing about leadership styles there except what not to do and in that time i was living with a good mate of mine jared and me and him are still really good mates and he had just founded fresh fitness food in the flat that i lived in which was like a small uh like refurbed uh, council state flat in Westbourne park and we had another flatmate there and Jared was doing the cooking in the flat and the whole thing was a bit bonkers. And he was like, you can cook, you know, give me a hand. And I'd wrapped up my year for Gordon Ramsay and I'd always played sports. I, I rode in Australia, I played rugby, I swam, I played water polo, like took quite a high level, all those sports and got to a point where like fitness was a really big part of my life and feeling good and being, being athletic. And when I worked, when I did, once I'd finished the year at Gordon Ramsay, I think I finished I was 86 kilos and there's a picture, like I'm, I sit comfortably somewhere between like 105, 110. And I was like, I looked like I'd been on crack, <laughs> you know, and I was really, really burnt out and didn't kind of like the person that I was becoming in that job as well. And so when Jared said, why don't you help with fresh fitness food? It was a real lifestyle change. And I joined him, became a co-owner with him and a director in the business, and then became CEO and I've been running it ever since and Jared stepped away a couple of years later and left me to it and now we've got the business we do today yeah nice
1: where did the the, the passion for cooking come from
2: yeah I get asked this a lot in, in all honesty like being a big kid and my brother who's a big kid as well I just had to eat a lot you know and so like getting home and if mum wasn't there then me and my brother would just cook and kind of got into it from that perspective but I think I found the passion more once I got into working in kitchens and it I think if I if I hadn't been a chef I might have been a builder or something else or a carpenter in that I just really enjoy creating and when you cook it's quite instant and you get gratification like a house might take a year but a dish you can make in a couple of minutes and it's beautiful and it's on the plate and there's a lot of care that goes into it and we talk about that a lot at, at FFF as well in that you know like sometimes I'm going around the kitchen talking to the the guys about this where if 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 one of the things we, we really try to avoid is food wastage and and I guess what I'm speaking about is like a carrot or a aubergine or a, a, a butternut squash can take a fucking long time to grow and then it can take a chef about 10 seconds to just fuck that up, you know? Yeah. Or they can use the wrong knife to peel a butternut squash and you take way too much meat with the skin and, and things like that. And I think that uh, I really learned a lot about respecting the produce through that and that I got quite passionate about that. I've quite enjoyed that. And I think at Fresh Fitness Food, what's been really cool is that before in Michelin Star restaurants, you had gratification of bringing it together on the plate. And then when it became into Fresh Fitness Food, it wasn't just that we were putting like great produce into a tub and then shipping it to a customer. And it wasn't just that it was going to be tasty, but it was that it did something really positive for that person. You know, when you do French cooking in restaurants, a lot of fat, a lot of salt, You never, ever think about the macronutrients of what you're putting together on a plate, whereas our customers will, like, email in and be like, you know, I've just had to change suit sizes, you know, or, like, you know, people saying, like, my only grud is not starting earlier or, you know, my favorite stories are, like, people that have, and you know, this, this doesn't work for everybody. So it's not nutrition facts here, but people that have come through and haven't been able to get pregnant and then get, you know, they get healthy and they get on our service for a couple of months and they email in and those kind of stories are just mean that food can be so much more than just being pretty on a plate. Because yeah, I think
1: it's, it's two very opposite ends of the spectrum. I think people think that for lack of a better term, like fancy food, the, the kind of stuff you would get at a Michelin star restaurant is the kind of the high fat, the salty foods that they do taste nice. But then if you want to be healthy, you have to go to the plain chicken, broccoli and rice. And I think what Fresh Fitness Foods has done is kind of combined the best of both worlds and actually made healthy food taste nice, which for me for years, I was just like, nah, you can't do that. It has to be like plain sweet potato mash and chicken. And that's the only way you can be healthy. So it's actually quite refreshing for someone who's actually got some experience in cooking good tasting food to then bring that into the the fitness world as well.
2: Yeah, and that that was like the goal from very early on, both for like commercial reasons and also for, for the fact that it got good good nutrition consistently to a customer. But commercially, when we looked at the market early, early in the early years, like go back 2016, 2017, looking at the market and thinking there's a lot of chicken broccoli out there. And what we found from speaking to customers is people can sustain chicken broccoli for like one to two weeks maximum, right? Unless they're like mega driven and fitness is their complete life and then they eat a massive dominoes and you know drink six beers and eat a tub of ben and jerrys i still do that sometimes but the you know they get to that point and that is much more detrimental to them than you know anything could have been before but they might just need that release when they get to that point because they've been you know eating something that that hasn't been very enjoyable and what that also means from a sh- like commercial perspective is you get really low lifetime value from your customers because they're only going to order from you once or twice or they're only going to order from you in January and, you know, that that's really hard to sustain a business model on. So we wanted to get longevity from our customers and have them kind of try it. And, you know, often our customers say they came for a goal and then they stay for the convenience. Mm-hmm. So it just becomes like something they maybe only get two or three deliveries a week, but they stay with us, you know, for a really, really long time after they've tried it. I think
1: I've been using it now for maybe two months, You roughly the same, mm, yeah. two months. And honestly, it is a game changer. Cool. The time cool. saving. How are your energy hard. levels? My energy levels are fine. Like my, like my, I've never had a problem with energy levels, but it's the amount of time that I've saved in not going to the shops and not having to cook food, not having to wash up stuff. And you just get so much more done. And then you don't reach for the stuff that you shouldn't be reaching for. When yes. you're rushing around, you're like, I just need to grab something. Here's a boots meal deal. I'm actually having something like actually good for me. And, you know, it keeps you on track to whatever it is your your goal is. Yeah. And it it's the time saving that has been unbelievable. As we've been getting busier and busier here, that extra time to, you know, run around and go and see someone new and dah, 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 help grow your business and whatever it is, even if you're like a a busy mum or something like that, or you've got your own business or you're a PT, it's absolute game changer yeah. for the last couple of months.
2: There's a real change in bandwidth as well, I think, for people. like I think a lot of people maybe can resonate with standing in the aisle at Tesco's or Sainsbury's and maybe calling your partner or your housemate and being like, what do you you want to have tonight? And then you kind of make those decisions. Maybe you pick up three or things three or four things you didn't really want to on the way to the the register as well. And also when people think about what they spend in a day like that as well, I can't leave prep without spending 10 pounds. And then I go into, you know, waitress in the evening and spend another 20 for that meal because I'm, you know, not really thinking about, you know, my cooking for the week because I don't know what my schedule is going to be and stuff like that. So I think also we reduce food wastage. A lot of people have soggy spinach in the back of their fridge because they buy a whole bag and use one handful.
0: Especially because I'm a guy that likes to cook as well. And I don't, I don't have time to sort of scratch that passionate itch, which annoys me, but then I'd still try and do it. And then I'd be back. I'd be backlogged on some of the work I got to do. So for me, this was the happiest medium I've ever found in being, being able to do my work, work harder, work longer, still again, as well, because, because my life is so mixed in work, other work, (laughs) other work on top of that. And then trying to do fitness as well. Like, in terms of my daily free time, if I'm then cooking as well, then one of those other things is yeah. is being reduced. And nothing pisses me off more than wasting like food in the fridge. Yeah. I got pretty good before I was at Pure Sport in making those meals of because I love I love cooking myself and I love I love throwing shit together. I am not a baker, so I don't measure anything. I go things. I'll taste it as I'm going along. So mad respect for all the chefs out there, the proper ones. Anyway, I haven't cooked your meal yet, have I, James? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that will come soon. But, yeah, for me, for me, it's been been massive, and like you say, the energy levels and sustain and walking up Bermondsey High Street here, I can quite quite easily dip in and out of three or four places, and what you think what you think what you think fresh fitness food is in terms of price as a price point, or like you're probably already spending more on that more than that on food anyway, not knowing it, and you're wasting more time, and you're wasting more food. so it ticks all the boxes for me, so I'm stoked you are here. <laughs>
2: With our, mo- <laughs> amazing. With, with our model as well, one of the things I'm really proud of, but just speaking of food waste, is that because... We're, so we're really big believers in bespoke nutrition and that, that's our whole business model. We have a proprietary algorithm. It's called Lavo Plus and that first it calculates who you are as an individual or you decide your own macros And then it distributes those macros over however many meals you want, two meals, three meals, four meals, five meals, whatever on a given day. But because clients order in advance and you've got two business working days to change your order, our algorithm actually tells us the raw quantities that we need to order to cook the cooked yield because a curry will reduce, Mm -hmm. right? And that means we measure it every week by putting all of the excess food waste into one fridge at the end of our kitchen and then we measure that up as volume against the volume from the week and it's usually between like 0.2 and 0.3 of the entire food that we cook for the week and then we ship all of that out to either families in need for free or to soup kitchens around london we're doing that for two years now so we're 100 percent food efficient as a business well wow, that is a stat a lot of time for that we're partnered with the london soup kitchen in tottenham court road which is an amazing organization and if anyone ever wants to get involved or if you guys ever want to come down and, and help cook on a thursday uh, is often when fff crew are down there but it's they're really cool we're, we've done some charity stuff with them in the past and raised money for them before we we're thinking of doing a um maybe doing a, a pure sport run club and doing it with them we did a we did a 5k in 2019 I think we raised five grand for them to pay for counseling. Mo- most of the reasons people are, we're, we're getting off topic here. But there's a stat that there are kind of nine different types of trauma that you can have uh, in your life. And typically all of us have had somewhere between like one and three of those forms of trauma in our, in our earlier years. And people living on the streets have, have had on average anywhere from five to six uh, events like that. So typically it is a mental health problem as to why people are living on the streets and living in that way. And so we have been trying to raise money to pay for counsellors to help those people come off the streets and into jobs. And it's a really, really tough problem because we wanted to hire a lot of those people into our business. We hire a lot of people out of the prison system now and we train them up and give them skills through the business. But with with people living on the streets, it's been very difficult due to the mental health aspects of it. So yeah, we should definitely do another charity one and, and try to raise money for it.
1: 100%. We'll bring the ambassadors down. We'll do like a a co-brand thing where we come down we bring our team down with your team and do something on a Thursday
2: yeah I love that what's your 5k time?
1: 15 no I
2: was like what? 5k
1: 1957 I think sub 20
2: wow Wow, sub 20
1: did you see the guy that did a 15 minute 5k in his his crocs?
2: I I think I saw that on social media recently incredible
1: Uh, half marathon in 66 minutes in a 5k in 15 minutes in his crocs and he doesn't even look like an athlete he just looks like a regular guy that plays world of warcraft and just (laughs) yeah unreal that was a
2: what's yours will go on impress
0: it's not 17 and it should be but what's
2: yours uh the quickest i've ever done it is 21 and a half minutes
0: that's decent
1: for
2: 105 kilos yeah yeah. i'm really not a runner i blew my knee out playing rugby like what position were you uh rugby league so it's like second row lock
1: I don't understand the positions in rugby league, do you?
2: Rugby league is a pretty stupid sport yeah. altogether. It's like <sighs> run back ten meters and then smash into each other.
0: Run hard and straight for like four tackles, is it? And then kick it and hope someone picks it up. <laughs> I always consider it's like a bleep test with tackling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's one thing I wanted to talk about: your past and um, getting back to Byron Bay. Really interested. You ever been Nimbin?
2: Wow. <laughs> Have you? Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: they do the um, they do the other side of the marijuana plants they don't just they, they don't have C B D there unless there there wasn't anyone I was there. They did have a lot of the THC version. The untouched. And every person, their grandma and their dog was selling cookies.
2: It's an interesting place. Like it's obviously where a lot of tourists go to. My dad lives like about 30 minutes from Nimman. Yeah. My dad's a pretty wild guy. He has a he lives like on an almost completely self-sustainable property in terms of growing all of his own vegetables and things like that. And uh, it's, it's very cool. And so I've been out to Niman a couple of times. Don't love it personally, but I think it's, it's got like a really touristy side and then it's got a really dark kind of grungy side mm. because that, that drug element to it's just gotten worse and worse. It's strange how
0: – I don't know how these places exist, but they kind of do. If everyone knows, but why does it still happen? Mm. It's just like carry on and get on with it kind of vibe, isn't it?
2: Amazing country though out there. Good, good yeah. bush.
0: I had a little
1: trip out there. I think I jumped on the happy bus or something. I think that's what it was yeah. called from Byron I Bay. I had some
0: guy that was like 70 years old. It was obviously like a flowery bus.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rainbows on it and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That probably had the same Nimbin day trip. One of the strangest experiences in my life. I thought I was in a dream. <laughs> I yeah. remember going out the back of this shop and like chatting to this guy and I was like, are you even a human? I don't understand. Like he was so like weird and
2: small. It's it was a really uh Interesting place. I think my mate's dad still runs that bus company that takes me. out The Bus, there.
1: is
0: that what it's called? Something like that, isn't it? The Happy Bus.
1: Something
2: like that, yeah. Shout out to
0: Tom Merritt's yeah, dad. Yeah, Tom Merritt's dad. But that was, there was an interesting thing in there. You said your dad lives on a self-sustained farm nearby. Do you think that's where you got your passion from for reducing food? Did you grow up in that kind of sense or is this?
2: I think Byron Bay is like a very holistic sustainably focused place you know and when you grow up in that kind of environment it's it's not necessarily something that's like pushed on you it's just obvious out there you know like it's um, much more than anywhere else i've ever been in the world Mm -hmm. and so i think that that was felt like what things should be to me and a bit more of the norm but when i came to the uk and you see what 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 can happen here and like 25 percent of the food that leaves the farm gate in the uk is wasted
0: Was that, was it a shock to the system, not just coming to the UK, but going into that high class restaurant style environment where if a carrot isn't chopped properly in the right shape, then it's thrown away?
2: Yeah, there's, there's definitely a bit of that. There's not as much as I, I thought, there's not as much as I think sometimes think there are. I worked in like three-star in australia where they would take like a baby gem lettuce and throw away every single leaf except for like the bottom three you know and have that little one on there there's some silly stuff like that but i think that the the talent in those restaurants and the care and the the energy that they put into things there it's it's probably better than, than yeah
0: and most. if you think about it it's a, a grain of sand in the sahara desert yeah. compared to what big corporations are doing and not accepting it to tesco because it's a different color to your normal carrot or whatever it is
2: and also people overeat there's the other end of it you know like a lot of like i think uh 2019 the world passed from having more people who were overweight than malnourished for the first time ever and that's kind of wild right like and we think about food waste but then we think about the fact that there's a lot of people starving and there's so many people just overeating and i think that there's some big problems there to solve which are very difficult but we're doing our little part with little fresh so fitness many, food.
1: You must have so many kind of like transformation stories of clients, of people yeah. that, you know, the, were those people that overate and they've just jumped on the fresh fitness food, fresh fitness foods, training, just been like huge transformations, lose those weight, healthier, look better. You must have heaps of those.
2: Oh, tons, tons. I mean, we've had thousands and thousands. I think over 20,000 over 20, clients now have been on the service and it's growing a lot. Um, as you know like I said we're at about 100,000 meals a month now and we're growing every single month year on year Um, yeah lots and lots of people in those stories transformations are kind of tricky right because you guys work in fitness and uh, like for example you can't run a Facebook ad that has a picture of a transformation because you don't want to show you know you don't want to say to somebody that there's a way you should look and I think that's kind of complicated and I think that uh, there's a real balance there in being aspirational versus kind of you know making people sh- maybe feel shit about the way they look because we don't want that, you know. So it's a tricky balance. But
0: in terms of business and and growth, pardon the pardon, how do you feed that growth from being a, a business that's just inside the M25? That's right, isn't it? You can yeah. order it yeah, just inside actually, the
2: M25. A couple of things we can like announce on this podcast.
0: Yeah, what happens to when you're getting
2: bigger?
1: <laughs> I want to talk about the very beginning when you used to go around on the tubes and hand deliver food
2: yeah that was mostly jared but he, he gets full credit for the fun there but at the very beginning when the food was cooked in the flat the only way to deliver the food was to use the circle line and that's just because the business got started with zero capital and i think like if i've got any advice for anybody who wants to start their own business in food or in anything it's don't, don't do it like that. Um,
0: Yeah. You see how well we've done, how we started.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But people say that and they're like, Oh, it's a cool story. And you know, that's inspiring maybe, or, you know, and that's a path for people to follow, but you need to think long and hard before you want to slog it out like that. You need to think about where you're at in your life personally. And you know, if, if you've got the, the kind of resilience to, to go through it in that way, I think for me, early days of FFF, I'd come from being a chef. You know, I I I I got twenty one k working seventy hours a week, and so to go from that into then what freshman's food felt easy, you know, and then no matter how crazy or stupid something we were doing was, it it still felt kind of easy, and the stress was like didn't didn't feel the same type of stress. I never had an email address as a chef, but so I, you know, once you start getting emailed out of work and you bring work home with you and you start thinking about it a lot and I still haven't figured that out yet how to properly switch off. But yeah, those, those early days were, were very interesting and yeah, early days of FF, you could only get a delivery if you live near the circle line.
1: Was it you guys hand delivering it as in?
2: Yeah, it's like I said, mostly Jack in those days, he gets the full credit for that kind of complete stupidity, but It, you know, got us to where we are today. And also, we still have a lot of customers from back then. Uh, It's amazing. Like, we still have this huge cohort of people who tried the service, you know, years and years ago and are still with us today. And I think a lot of that's the personal connection that we created with those customers. And they're a great, like, cohort that are, are, like, really loyal FFFs. There's a couple of people who are like, I haven't had anything but water in my fridge for four or five years.
1: (laughs) I've got... Fresh fitness with bags, because sometimes I just forget to eat them and I have, have leftover meals. So actually, you service my weekends as well, by the way. Nice. So I have those bags and then I just have knockoff. That's That's <laughs> <it>.
0: uh, and <laughs> some and soaring, but you soaring. don't keep that in the fridge, right? That doesn't make it to
2: the fridge. You get eaten on the way home from the shop. <laughs> I see, it, do you go soaring banana loaves, Or what? what this is what's gonna your be jam? The next
0: fucking 20 minutes <laughs> of this, of this I just, podcast. Right, I'm out. Yeah.
2: I'll
1: just keep it short and say I eat all of them apart from the strawberry one because the strawberry one is not great. Right. But I went through, um, shout out Jenny Tong. We had a chat about this the other day on Instagram DMs and I listed all of them in order of ranking w- like one to right. the worst. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's your best product in the whole world? That's Favorite thing?
1: One. I don't know. It's, it's,
0: it's up there. Like it's just easy. You just grab it. Best product in the whole world? Fuck, that's a hard question to ask. Mm-hmm. I needed prep on that. What's yours?
2: But I, I know it straight away, and I'm happy to defend Five it. Seven. We we can we can argue all day, and I also pronounce it incorrectly. Faj yogurt. Oh
1: yeah, I still don't know. You said Faye or something. Fire. It says fire, on the yeah. top, and the I still don't know how top, to say yeah. it. Do you know the one? No. The Greek yogurt. The zero percent. Do you have the zero percent or do you have the full?
2: So I, I mix depending on how I'm feeling. But the zero percent is the best product in the world. What
1: do you have it with? And
2: it wins across categories because it's super available. It's in every supermarket. Like you can get it from your local See, test. I'm codes. more of a skier. Uh, macronutrient skier. profile is amazing. Less available though, so it doesn't win that. Ski.
1: Which is actually a cheese.
2: Yeah, I know. Oh. It's, it's it's awesome. I've actually been to Iceland.
1: Me too. I had it on my pizza. They said, oh, you're going to have skier on your pizza. And I thought, well, this is yogurt. <laughs> what are you doing? Put yogurt on my pizza. Okay. So what do you have your Faye, Fage?
2: So I use the uh, in-app plug, the Fresh Fitness Food app. You can have. There's a slider where you can have a calorie buffer. So I like to cook as well a lot. So I'll get 70% of my calories from FFF. Mm-hmm. And then the final 30% will be Faye and, and Manny Life peanut butter.
1: Which one? They have a lot of choices. Yeah. Crunchy duck I'm straight
0: up Skippy, extra crunchy. Sorry to the park. Sorry, palm really? oil. Sorry, Amazon rainforest or wherever they're taking the oil from. Just allow me to have my Skippy. I'll be good on the rest of shit, okay? I'm off. I'm off. Yeah, I'm off I, was, I wasn't going to say it.
1: You've got the bougie smoothie club, but then you have Skippy peanut butter. Have you just had the Reese's one? Just straight out Reese's. How many of the, uh, the fresh fitness foods meals that we get delivered are kind of your idea.
2: Yeah. At the beginning, they were, they were all mine actually, but now not, not that many actually. I think there's like variations of dishes that were, that are still there. But now we have an NPD team, so a new product development team. And there's two chefs in that team, a guy called Shiv and Beth, and Beth Adamson, who she worked as like head chef for a bunch of amazing restaurants around London. And now she's like full time her job with Shiv is just to test new recipes. So we'll test them and sometimes we'll try to get cut like direct customer data in terms of new ideas before we push them onto the menu. I can help with that yeah great but also you see i don't know if you guys seen an app but when you click on a recipe to log it you can star rate it out of five yeah. and so beth looks at lowest star rated meals and then swaps them out of the menu each month as well as looking at what's seasonal so this week our summer menu just dropped So there's a lot of like different produce starting to come through over the next couple of months the seasons in the uk are typically like may right through to september most of our produce about 70 percent of it comes from the uk um and that's for all of us in general in terms of supermarkets and things like that and then on the other six months of the year that flicks to most of it comes from the eu so brexit wasn't very smart was it but the (laughs) i'm
0: shaking my head right now if you're not watching this i'm just here shaking my head
2: but uh but the eu has has a lot like the netherlands produce a lot of amazing produce and things like that
0: what's your all-time
1: favorite fresh fitness foods meal
2: a lean turkey bolognese really good did you make yeah. that? One? i don't know if you guys have had it yet yeah d- yeah but i mean that's a who, i don't know who really came up with bolognese right <laughs> definitely wasn't me <he. laughs> i
0: want to go back to that bit at the start before we go to the big reveal circle line how did you market that did you just slap up stickers on the circle line like fresh fitness food we can take care of your life through meals or how did you advertise that
2: what year was this that goes back like 2013 2014 so it wasn't even like big social media time kind of just kind of starting really
0: what was the strategy
2: and like we weren't that savvy either to, to- I, think the,
0: I think the cool thing about business especially when you're young is just you i swear everyone's just making it up as so they go along everyone wants this um how did you do it because i'm going to implement it and there must be like step one step two step three to success and I swear, you might answer this differently, but I swear people are just making it up and doing the best they can.
2: I think so. I think I talk to a lot of different business owners now. Um, like I was at dinner with, with Grayson the other week chatting to him about it. Um, and I meet a lot of different people, whether I'm giving them advice, even though I, I have a lot of imposter syndrome about doing that, but or I'm getting advice from them because I think that's a really great kind of underutilized tool is just asking people for advice and then, and then talking things through with them. And I think that, sorry, I've gone a bit off topic here, but there are some people who, like sometimes I meet guys who made a lot of money in the city and they're like great on Excel and they can run a spreadsheet and they're often super smart and well-studied and maybe they worked in consulting and stuff like that. And those guys are typically pretty good in the earlier years because they're quite analytical and they'll start a business and be very, very structured and process driven and things like that. Sometimes, you know, maybe they are less passionate about it and have less grit when it, when it gets to the like the, the more difficult parts. I'm, I'm massively generalizing here. And then you've got kind of idiots like me and people who, you know, start off running a business with zero experience and first-time CEO and make a lot of mistakes. And, you know, if I'd been an employee, I would have been fired kind of mistakes. Mm-hmm. But you're in a position where you can make them and learn from them and, and grow with it. I would say that, that the number one factor for success that I see and that I would recommend to anybody is, well, first of all, let me just say that like the, the shiny, like exciting bit about being an entrepreneur or a CEO or a founder or running a business is really out there. And I think, it's, I think it's put on a bit of a pedestal and I think there's nothing wrong with having a job and having a hobby outside of that job you don't need to run a business to be happy in your life and you don't need to run a business to have the type of lifestyle you want. If CrossFit's your passion or your fitness or working with clay is or painting or any of these things, like get a job where you can clock off at five and give your boss the finger and walk out and, never, you know, and leave your work phone at work mm-hmm. and then get on with living your actual life. Because if you go into running a business that you're not truly interested in and passionate about, then one, you're doing a disservice to yourself and your life because you're going to take that home with you. And so you're kind of doing a disservice to your employees because my biggest responsibility is their success. And I have f- about 70, 75 full-time people that rely on me to pay their rent and to make their mortgages and to take care of their kids. And if I go in it and I'm not all in and I'm not making every decision with the right type of principles or values, then I'm really putting a lot of their lives at risk. And I think that the, it, unless you're kind of really up for that, like just get a hobby and a job, you know, and maybe sell stuff on Etsy. <laughs> but, like, the, yeah, Scrum is great. It's cool, cool creator platform. Um, but the, I'd say the biggest bit of advice for getting into it and, and where I see people who do really well in those early days and that, that I would definitely go back and do is get a job at a startup before you start one. Because both of you today are, are probably 10 to 20x more qualified to open a fresh fitness food was than I was, mm-hmm. you know, like just being in that environment and learning like about, oh, we're changing office leases and how does that work? And like seeing that over the shoulder or being like, how do we push social media or how do we build this out or how do we run a supply chain or process map something or build Somewhat of a business plan, or or even the tools, right? Like we use Coda for project management now, which is amazing. I think you guys use um, ClickUp, which is like a similar platform.
0: Represent your shit, motherfucker. Sorry, that's a Jake Cole song in which he says ClickUp. So I play it every Monday.
1: I'm trying to get your team onto ClickUp because I had a chat with Kate about it, and I said, Nah, ClickUp. ClickUp's the one.
2: I, I mean, I'm I'm all ears. We'll definitely we, we've we've tried them all: Monday, Trello. We like Coda.
1: I'll give you my affiliate code. You can sign up right. for Click.
2: Right, <laughs> Cheers. Thank you. <laughs> Shout out, <laughs> <laughs> James Dollar Ten. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all those things are massively helpful. And at the beginning, we, we were like terrible at all of them. So early days, what we did though, which was really, I guess, obvious for us in the early days was people working out in gyms were our bread and butter and they were low-hanging fruit because they already had a goal, they were already active, and so we would just go to gyms and ask them to refer their clients to us on the service. And I think 90% of our customers came from that, and then slowly it became referrals from people on the service. And now referrals make up about 52% of our customers in 2020 were from referrals, and that's been really, really strong for us.
0: Are you, are you happy with that balance? Do you like Do you like the, the fact that referrals work and you still get almost half of your business still through organic searches or something that isn't have, discounted? Like that. So it's like, I guess for me, it's kind of a throw up. It's like you want the people you bring in to do well from that structure. But you also don't want your whole business to be a discount, do you? Yeah, so.
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting point. I think for us, it's like, where does the, so, so we run everything off, off, a, off like what, what's pretty standard for an online D2C brand, which is like a CAC to LTV ratio. So we look at what is the cost of acquiring a customer versus the lifetime value that we get from that customer. And then we try to run like a decent ratio against those two things. And for us, that there might be a discount through the referral system, but what's the value of that discount versus the CAC that we might spend on an online channel? And usually referrals are significantly cheaper so we don't mind bringing the customer on like that but then keeping them on we move them from discounts to just what the service costs because it's bespoke meals delivered to you every single day you know it's never going to be super high margin and that's when we kind of transition them through that that product life cycle but i think the other thing to think about with referrals is it's an amazing channel and you get often you get higher value customers through it because there's that connection with it but often it's not as scalable Because you kind of tap out at how many people you can reach that will then actively refer you and how many people you need to hire to then, you know, how many wills and Jameses are going to be to be out there every single day and how many events can there be and how many CrossFit workouts can there be and maybe you're at like 5% of what you guys can do if you hired more people, but at some point it taps out and you have to find other channels to reach people. I've done all the workouts.
0: <laughs> I, haven't I,
1: I, I haven't done all the runs yet I haven't done all the runs there's still the workouts. some for running Will still owes me three fitness club workouts just so we know
0: I have said and there must be like a sell by date on this bullshit chat by the way because I said when you just bring me a dumbbell and you didn't do it and now it's three months later and no one cares anymore especially not me <laughs> <laughs> I just want to go back to um, one of the points you said
1: earlier about the, you made some mistakes where you, if you were an employee you would be fired for yeah. doing that what are those mistakes like? What is the, the biggest mistake you've made? Because I think we've all made mistakes. However, me and Will, our mistakes are probably never going to be as bad as someone who owns a business could make a mistake. So yeah, like what is the biggest mistake that you've made that you thought, right, I have royally fucked up here?
2: I mean, there's a lot, right? There, there is a lot. But I, I think like, I think there's like funny mistakes that happen and we're like, oh God, you know? And then there's like, big fuck-ups where uh, I, think, I think leaders need to have a, a bias for action. So, you know, you, you need to be able to, you need to be saying, fuck it, let's do it, a lot, you know? And that's where that risk comes in, you know? And it comes yeah, off most sit, of the time. Die. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like uh, particularly when you're a business like ours, and I speak about yours and mine there, is that you need to sprint to stand still. To keep any type of customer traction up and so we're constantly trying to innovate and and it can be exhausting but the big one that came from that is we obviously are very passionate about having healthy bodies and also healthy communities and that speaks to like our packaging being environmentally friendly and things like that and so the first time we discovered some biodegradable packaging not the ones we have now but we discovered these and we realized that we could buy them uh, offshore, but we had to buy them by the shipping container full. So I don't, even, I don't even know how many tubs that is, but it's like a lot of tubs. And the bias for action was as soon as I saw them, we tested them on like, we didn't really even test them. I, I reckon we maybe sent them to like five customers who were like, yeah, these seem fine. And we ordered the shipping containers of them. We ran this whole campaign called sustain we got organic t-shirts made up and sent them to all of our customers uh we had this like picture this new logo that was just for the campaign That was like a picture of a globe with an f on it that was like wrapped around the globe and we rolled these tubs out and oh my god i think it was like jan 1st 2019 we rolled these tubs out and it was just it was honestly horrific the, the cardboard. Any dish that was slightly wet just seeped through it. Oh and my like, God. And I'm talking like hundreds of thousands of meals were like shipping in these tubs. And also, we discovered all this customer behavior that we didn't know about before. People were putting their meals into their rucksack and jogging to work, obviously, like really active customers. And people were getting to work and then just sending us pictures of their like MacBook nestled around like curry (laughs) in the bottom of their bag and bits of cardboard tub. And we couldn't stop because we had shipping containers of these fucking tubs and the lids would like you only had to squeeze very gently on the sides of the tubs and then the lid would just pop off. And it, it was really like, it wasn't even funny. And then we were like, we emailed everybody being like, if anybody wants plastic, you know, and not these new biodegradable ones, just like let us know. And 70% of customers were like, give me the plastic. I can't have this. That's one
1: of those ones you look back and laugh at. Like we're laughing now, but at the time that must have been.
2: I don't know how many hundreds of thousands and trained customers. And like, and then we only, we were, honestly, I think six months ago, we managed to get rid of the last like the pallet <laughs> from the shipping <laughs> we've been we've been gifting them to the soup kitchens and even those guys are like these suck we can't put a lid on for people who want to take a meal away
0: <laughs> yeah but that's why the people come to
2: the show to hear
0: <laughs> stories like that about their fresh fi- yeah, fresh fitness honestly. food that they love there's always got to be
2: and then also like funny little ones like we this is just a a, a tip because i'm also like really respect to any competitor in our space i think that anybody trying to make people healthy we're a fan of and that goes like shout out to any other competitor with a fresh fitness food or, or anyone trying to do the same thing like keep going and keep keep trying and i'm i'm in, in touch with a lot of the different ceos and i'll give advice to, to any of them at any stage um you know internally we, we say racehorses wear blinkers for a reason you know we don't look left and right at what other people are doing we're pretty focused on our product but i'm always up for helping anyone try to be healthy and tip number one is that a sweet potato is not a potato and we discovered this by buying like so we do anywhere from 100 to 200 kilos of sweet potato chips a day and all of them are hand cut yeah and it's like one guy's job for eight hours cut sweet potato chips and a couple of years ago we were like oh my god we solved this problem and we bought a potato chipper for like six grand and all the chefs are like stood round and we put the potato into it and it just like sharts the potato at the bottom of it into like a million pieces and then we're like maybe add two at once and then it just goes <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like maybe a box and just like goes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> was that your 0.2 percent <laughs> waste we that up. week <laughs> <laughs> and we're, like,
2: we're like this doesn't work and he's like a sweet potato is not a potato wow,
0: wow is that not in the little asterisk like is it a
1: tuber is that a potato uh
2: yeah i think so yeah a a sweet potato is much more dense and a a sweet potato is much more fibrous and so it can't handle it and we're actually now just investing in a machine that can do it to get a machine that properly chips sweet potatoes costs about 60 grand six zero
0: thousands percent more expensive Dan will probably come back to me and go, you remember that podcast you did Casper? Well, your, your ratios are wrong in terms of the price increase. Shout out, Dan the Magnificent.
3: Yeah.
0: That guy's out of a job, though. Unless he's going to now look after the
1: machine, because a 60 grand machine needs to be looked after.
2: He's, he's just going to work on seasoning and, and refinements and things like that. But I'd treat uh, that like a Rolls Royce. I'd hands, be oiling that up paint. every day, cleaning
0: it. 60 grand is a lot on a chipper. 100 kilos of sweet potato a day, though. 200 a day, I think that's, I think this you're getting thing, it
2: thing, you just somewhere. drop them in, and it just cuts perfect chips. Wow. You'll see the difference in a couple of weeks. Yeah.
0: Can't, can't wait for my first sweet potato chip delivery.
2: I'm going to be inspecting them
0: from now on, like, waiting for that change. <laughs> You'll see. They, they You'll see gorgeous. on Instagram. It's happened. It's happened. Well, can we do a, a reveal now? Because I'm well excited about it. If you're hearing buffering, it's not. We're just really good at podcasting.
1: We sent it oh, over to my man Tom Bardman. Shout out, Tom Bardman! You've been an absolute dream recently, and he edits it, makes it sound really nice and crisp. Yeah, and he keeps telling us to uh, stop moving the microphone.
0: All right, let's go to the big reveal. Oh, oh. <laughs> all, that, all that time, <laughs> you looking for another question? And it was the one. Okay, yeah. Do we want a drum roll? How do you want to bring in the big reveal?
2: Yeah, sure. There's a couple of things we were gonna, I was gonna reveal, That's but. So first of all, if anybody is listening that currently lives outside of London, as James said, we've always just delivered inside the M25 of London, but from August onwards, you will be able to get a delivery anywhere in the UK of fresh fitness food bespoke, which is super exciting. And I think going to change our business in a lot of ways. I think we'll kind of look for some big partners nationwide. We've already tapped into a couple of them that that we'll be announcing over the next couple of months. Can't announce them yet because we're in trial phases with them. But you'll see, you'll see those things come out soon. And then, yeah, we'll be advertising through those partners and through all of our other channels as well, into which will be cool. So looking forward to helping a lot of people get fit and healthy in other cities. So what
0: year was day one of Fresh Fitness Food?
2: So we left the flat 2014.
0: 2014, so seven years in the making
2: to get outside. of
1: The logistics of honestly fascinates me about how it's it's delivered every single night. Because when I first heard about this, I was like, oh, they probably just deliver like Monday, maybe on a Wednesday or something, and just kind of a couple of deliveries a week. And when I found out it was every single night, I was like, this feels like Father Christmas and Christmas Eve, delivering presents all around inside the M25 every single night. I was like, how is this? How are they doing this?
2: You ever had a messed up delivery?
1: No, there was a couple of times when the front door was locked, like the, the bottom outdoor, so they had to leave it downstairs. But apart from that, it's been perfect. Yeah, I heard them come once.
2: Yeah, we have a super high success rate. It's pretty amazing. We have something like like some ridiculous stat, like 99.9999 or something success rate on our deliveries, which is pretty incredible. Our drivers, are we have really low staff turnover rate. Actually, our core team is about 60 people. And then we kind of have... Uh, other people in in kind of different areas but that core team has something like five percent staff turnover annually mm-hmm. um which is really really cool and that's i think down to the culture that we build within the business but the drivers have managed to become a part of that culture mm-hmm. so we have like 15 drivers that work for us and a lot of them have been some of them are there since the flat they used to yeah. pick they used to pick up from the, and used to sit and watch sky movies in the living room until the boxes were were packed up wow, yeah awesome. An amazing mistake was when we went to our first proper kitchen and we were like we are ballers and went in here and there was like it was the, the room must have been like twice the size of this and it was a stove against the wall and induction hoods and like a proper fridge that wasn't like a home fridge and i was like yes and all the produce had turned up and we hadn't got gas fitted we <laughs> We were like, oh, yeah, that's important. <laughs> and uh, we put everything in an Addison Lee, which was the thing back then, and went back to the flat. <laughs> <laughs> back to the roots.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, no, that, the drivers have been with us a long time, so they do an amazing job. Shout out to, to all the drivers. And we have the logistics of it are, are pretty amazing, but it, it's very automated now as well. So Lavo Plus, that, that algorithm I mentioned, the moment somebody clicks order, and sets their delivery pattern the algorithm calculates the raw quantities we need to order for each of their days and it calculates how much needs to be weighed into each of their tubs it pushes directly to a label printer and it also does their route in terms of where they're going to sit in the route on that driver's round and so when the meals get boxed they get boxed and then they get put into like this mega we call it the mega fridge and in there they get sorted and then they go into the bags and then the driver comes and the, the arrangement of his bags is already in route order. So he loads into his van and the last bag that goes in is his first drop and then he opens up his phone, which it automatically gets emailed to him and he does his round and hopefully picks up the old cooler bags from the customers.
1: This is some serious software, mm-hmm. like very yeah. bespoke software as well.
2: Okay. Yeah, completely built in ourselves as well. We've, uh, our engineers are amazing. I think we have eight full-time engineers at the moment, so they're coding the next couple of exciting things that are happening.
1: Was this a gradual process? Was it like, oh, we need, we've got this problem, we can make it more efficient, we need a bit of software, and it was you create something for that specific thing, and then you added on more and more, or was there a day when you said, we've got all of these problems, we need a solution, let's create some software, and before that, it was kind of you just like
0: finish.
1: You had a you had a system in place, but the system was kind of in your head, and you'd kind of figured it out. And then you were like, "No, we need something more efficient than this if we're going to scale
2: up." Yeah, I I think both. I guess this is I, I'm I want to be like as practical and tangible as I can for anybody listening that might want to like take something from this. And I think one of the and reach out to me if you need any questions about tech or, or anything like that. Um, more than happy to help anybody with that because the world of pain that we went through to get to where we are today. I don't ever want to see anybody go through that. And I think most of that was down to like a lack of capital. And we only raised like a seed round in 2016. That's the only money we've raised to date. And as we like look to become an international business, we'll we'll start to go out and raise um, more capital to do that. And there's a couple of cities on the horizon, which is really cool. But going back to the the technology behind it and and building that out, like, on one hand, when you run a business without capital, you get to a point where you learn exactly what you need by doing it free and cheaply in spreadsheets and Google Docs and things like that. And then you get to a point where you're like, okay, we know exactly what we need now, pretty much at that point in time. And now let's invest capital and do it. But in that lead up time, you churn so many customers and you and you create so many pain points within the business and make life so difficult for yourself that it's a real toss up between do I get capital early and build something shiny but it might be the wrong thing because i haven't had the years of iterations in you know free software so to speak to do that but my favorite employee story and shout out to pedro and i think he just deserves all the accolades he gets uh we're still very very good friends early days of yeah of course you want to hear the story yeah (laughs) Uh, early early days of, of fresh fitness food to try to support our cash flow we came up with these like amazing sandwich recipes, like really banging sandwiches. And we started this like side brand called Sliced. And we used to sell sandwiches to East London cafes, who would then stock them in their their shop windows or whatever. And so like one area of the kitchen was just for making sandwiches. And we needed, I was like making the sandwiches as well as kind of being head chef, as well as doing like customer services. And we needed some, a chef to help us with that. So we put a job ad up and, we, I get uh, a call at like 10 in the morning. This guy called Pedro applied for the job and I was like coming for the trial and I uh, get a call at like 10 a.m. in the morning and he's like, hey, I'm at this address. And I was like, that's not the address. And he was like, oh, and I was like, this is the correct address. And then he like came, I, he looked on Google Maps and it sent him somewhere wrong. And he turned up at midday and he just walks in and sees this like shit show of me like running around like a headless chalk. And I'm like, right, buddy, you're on the sandwiches, like get in here. And he just goes, nope, I'm leaving. And I was like, great. Like, thanks, buddy. Uh, and he's like, I'll be back tomorrow. And I was like, sure you will. And then he just left, turned up the next morning, half an hour early. And he was like, I want to show you that I can do it properly. And I want to do a full day to show you what I've got. And he was a Spanish guy, terrible English. You still have terrible English. (laughs) And he did an amazing day and followed everything like that. I said like completely perfectly. And I even caught him like, you know, months later, still like telling other people like, you have to do it properly. You have to do it like this, you know? And at the time, all of the customers' files were built in these like really ugly spreadsheets that I'd put together with Jared of like, you know, it, it was really ugly, but we were manually balancing every client in spreadsheets to to give them bespoke macros. And he used to walk past me all the time, Pedro. And he was like, "You yeah, know, I'm pretty good at spreadsheets. You want a hand?" And I was like, "No, no, 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 it's fine. Just like get on with the sandwiches." <laughs> <laughs> and then he like stepped off and became head of packing. And then he was like a grill chef. And then he's like, "Buddy, I'm really good at spreadsheets." He's like, "I'm actually a banker from Spain." and you know i've just come over to the uk to learn english and look for like different career paths and i was like okay fine like take a seat you know do an hour at the afternoon on on these spreadsheets and he built the most incredible spreadsheet like redesigned the whole system and we did things with excel that like aren't you're not meant to do with excel like really wild stuff like macro on macro building like you know customer pulling orders from our WordPress front-end directly into like a Dropbox. We couldn't even afford business Dropbox. It was like Dropbox <laughs> personal. Would, like, that's what we're in. doing.
0: <laughs> oh, we all got the same login. We all,
1: all log the in. we all log in with Grayson's email. <laughs> we're stealing from you every day, bitch. <laughs> you gotta respect
2: the hustle. <laughs> Honestly, we did. it was wild. And that's when we were really like hustling back then. Uh, people thought we were a way bigger business than we were. We had, we had like fake people on email.
0: I've heard I've heard stories about that though. Like I won't say who it is, but to come across better when they were sending off invoices, they they oh, changed gosh. because they're a fe- they're a female as well. And they're like, I made a male profile, so when I ask for money, they're more likely to pay it. And she said before they w- like it should have should get shit and wouldn't get nice answers or people would be like. Taking the piss basically and then as soon as she makes a, an alias to be to be a dude she gets paid it's horrendous really but it's like it's the truth of what we do as humans and where we feel with things
2: our invoice chaser was actually um so she might still work for the business but like pedro was incredible and ended up becoming like full-time office manager and was like completely integral to our business but it also got to a point where like if pedro went home and crashed in the evening we were like get your laptop out at home and you'd have to open it up and i think it i think it made all these personal relationships suffer quite a lot and he but he was such an absolute like pillar to what we what we built and i just i visited him in spain last summer actually and he's, he's coming back here soon as well Um, but he was so incredible for for what we built and such an amazing guy with amazing work ethic. And then in uh, end of 2018, another amazing, like I have the most incredible team of like ultra smart, super talented people. Often we hired people with very limited experience because we've been on like such a budget. And so that talent, we've had to level them up through the business. And another good one is Emma Rose, who we're not related, but she when she started, she... Uh, you know, came to the interview and I actually only spoke to her about this recently. She got to the interview and we were like, we can't afford to buy you a laptop if you've got your own one. And she told me the other day that she actually lied and said yes and then quickly went out and bought a laptop. And we used to work out of like Starbucks or there's a really musty old members club called the Institute of Directors on Pall Mall. And it's like full of just like 90-year-old guys in suits and they have the cheapest membership. I think there's like a young entrepreneurs one or something that's like 250 pounds for the whole year and you can bring seven guests yeah. and so we just turn up with like loads of people and then go outside and eat the fff meals and never order off their menu and they really hated us so she came work there with us and she is super smart and super detail orientated and ended up because she's now our cpo chief product officer manages all the engineers uh, manages everything across like product and client life cycle and me and her went out and found um, the right engineers and built out this, like, incredible kind of spec for... We, we spent, like, a week locked in a room with with these engineers and built out exactly what we needed based on all the spreadsheet models and things like that. And that's when we built Labo. It took a year to build, and then we launched it October 14th, 2019, and it completely, like, revolutionized the business from from that point onwards. Wow.
0: And all the shit you have to get go through to get to that point. <laughs> yeah. And then you just upload some more shit onto your plate, so you can expand. But
2: now it's like pretty automated. Everything you wake up in the morning and it's there. Actually, there's like there's some work that happens outside of the algorithm.
0: What are the other reveals you got? If there's some other ones Uh, that bespoke bespoke. uh,
2: So we are, yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of it like just follow Fresh Fitness Foods' social media platforms, and you'll see like some of the cool stuff come out. But one of the things that we've been working on for about a year now is we're launching nothing similar to like what you guys are doing but we're launching a full range of supplements which we kind of like were really thought about long and hard about how we were going to do it because everything we wanted to do was bespoke and i think a lot of people are just smashing a multivitamin these days for absolutely no reason other than like expensive urine fluorescent i've had that before and i was like
1: i messaged my mate who's a nutritionist and i was like i've been um taking these multivitamins and literally like my pee is glowing like glowing <laughs> no. yellow green he was like yeah you're just peeing it all out so like, you don't yeah. need to take those yeah take
2: those. you don't need to take those but we are uh, so so we've come up with nine different ones like quite they're super high bioavailability and they are like extremely high quality and they, uh, there's nine different. So you've got like a magnesium and a vitamin D and things like that. And now when you order your fresh fitness food, we launch them to complete the circle. So when you order, if you're vegan, it might automatically recommend a B12. If you live in London, it might recommend a vitamin D. It kind of bases, you know, if you exclude salmon and other oily fish and things like that, it might recommend an Amiga. Um, so it's just bespoke recommendations to go along with your fresh fitness food, um, to kind of complete the the whole circle. So you get a hundred percent of your nutrition from fresh fitness food.
0: Now you need to do is uh, create an algorithm that works out for them and then you've completed the the whole cycle.
1: Do you still train yourself? Obviously you're quite a dense bloke, but
2: Uh, yeah, I, my training, um, I'd love it to be more consistent. It, but I often find myself, as I'm sure you guys have experienced this, of like training with a lot of partner gyms and stuff like that all the time. So it'll be like, you know, Barry's and then core and then it'll be a CrossFit workout. And then like on Saturday, I did the turf games thing at Farm Fitness. Why The worm, God, that really awful, awful. You get it right. That's right. <laughs> great.
1: You get it wrong. And somebody in your team is going to get fucked up by the worm.
2: Somebody takes the brunt of it haven't really done the worm properly before. And then we also lost out because we only had four in our team and not five. And we're all there like trying to pick it up. And then Lee Phillips, thank you so much for doing this, Lee, like runs over and he's like, you've only got four. And I can't do his deep <laughs> in the Welsh accent. Um, and just like all of a sudden, I felt the thing just become extremely light and flick onto the shoulder because he's an absolute weapon. And then we were able to like run up and down the field with it. And then 15 burpees back and forth over it. Which I was kind of just crawling over it by the end of it, but yeah, I mean, I train. It's it's quite inconsistent. I also really like cycling um, or spinning. I for the last three years I teach uh, Sunday spin classes at Ride Republic, which is like a competitive spin studio. So everybody's on Kate the wall.
1: Mentioned, does oh, Kate mentioned yeah. Kate go and do one on yeah, Friday. Yeah, she's getting into
2: it. Yeah, she came to, so we're also doing like weekly workouts as a team after work. Our team's on summer hours at the moment, so they start at seven thirty in the morning, mm-hmm. and then they clock off about four four thirty, and then. Nice. Through the, through the week, we try to, just because there's more daylight and people have lives, you know, outside of their jobs. So we did, they all came to my class, actually, yeah. uh, which was a lot of fun on a Thursday afternoon. We're doing like a different, different gym every week. Yeah. Uh, and it's quite tough because everybody gets a bit competitive once they're on the wall. Mm. A little bit unfair because it's, it's not scaled to your weight. So it's like what output over 45 minutes. Yeah.
0: If you're listening to this, Ben Parker, you're not allowed to go. He is the most competitive and equally fucking talented yeah. athlete around. So, oh,
2: I want to get you all in there. See who's got the best yeah, lungs.
0: Well. All right, we'll book it in. <laughs> or we can do pure sport versus fresh fitness food, and then I'm bringing Ben Parker. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's we we'll, we'll do we'll do that.
2: Then I'm not going to teach. Then I'm, I have yeah, to. Yeah, we'll get you in. So
1: we've got that lined up, and then we've got the soup kitchen as well. Yeah. Do that. We'll make that a competition somehow as well. I don't know how, but we'll do it.
2: Yeah, So yeah, definitely still still. You just the
0: competition, don't you, James? Yeah, that's all good.
2: Yeah, I mean, I see your stuff. It's incredible.
0: I reckon we could carry on for another three times this amount of time, but you're a busy guy with a, a big business. Have you, got, have you got a life motto you live by or words that, that keep you interested or would pass on to someone else as a bit of inspiration?
2: Yeah, I, a life motto that I live by, no. I think... We could have talked through the the five year plan stuff. I think that there's a lot in that that I've tried to live and organize my life by yeah I mean what what i what I guess i guess in in that same vein and and to summarize it, I think that if I could give um, any type of advice that has helped me or that you know i'm I'm a long way from being successful but but I feel like I'm in moving at the trajectory that I want to be and I think a lot of that comes from trying to be objective about where you're at. And so the way I I look at a lot of like the progression I want to make in life is to to be really conscious of maybe where I want to be and where I'm at today and try to be step out of myself as much as I can and be objective about what I'm good at and what I'm not good at and what I need to learn and what I don't need to learn. And then try to look at my life in blocks of time and think about, you know, how can I assign learning time to that time or how can I assign training time to that time and and to try to be structured in that way uh, has really really helped me and i think once you start to be objective about yourself and and you bring some humility into that you can really find a lot of growth
0: structure sets you free
2: yeah structure sets you free and it's not about not you're not where you want to be today it's you're exactly where you need to be you're just um, moving forwards
1: yeah because i know you mentioned it right at the beginning and it was one of the questions that i wanted to speak to you about in terms of like when you were 18 you had this five-year plan when i was 18 i was okay. like I don't even want to tell you what I was getting into. I didn't have a five year plan I'll tell you that, but like that's really advanced like guess for someone that's eighteen to have this kind of mentality they think right, where do I want to be in five years' time? I was thinking, right, where am I going out tonight? That was kind of where I was at when I was eighteen, so first of all like where did that come from like yeah. that knowledge in terms of being thinking, oh I need to have a five year plan
2: It's a good place to start and think and I'll try to make that as like tangible and relevant as I can for anyone who wants to like think about running their life in this kind of structure and i think people sometimes shy away from that the the structure of it and you can do it in whatever way format you want but me at the beginning in all honesty you know being a chef was was made kind of cool by your your tv chefs at the time and master chef australia was really popular but at the same time if i'm really honest about my mindset back then A lot of my friends were going to like fancy universities and doing like really cool things or they were going and studying business or maybe they were going into particular jobs through their families or or whatever it was. And for me, it was a little bit of maybe I was a bit embarrassed about just going straight into working and cooking. Um, and, And also as an apprentice chef, you're often doing dishes or a lot of really shit jobs. And you're also working every single Friday, Saturday night. And so FOMO as an 18 year old doing that was real and all the way right through my early 20s as well. And so for me, it was that by writing the five year plan in some pretty basic format, it's now like a a pretty cool spreadsheet. But back then it it was a pretty basic concept. And all it did is it removed all FOMO for me going forward. And that's what I'd recommend to anybody at any stage of their life to think about, particularly if you're just starting out or if you're going into something new, or maybe you're taking a massive pay cut to go and do something. Is that it removes the the fomo from the equation and gives you that drive and that friday night i'd be at work at 10 o'clock at night and our restaurant had a big glass window where you could like see the chefs through the window and i can't tell you how many times i saw mates walk past and wave when they were going to the pub and in my head i would just go it's part of your plan 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 and i think by having that and having that in the wall of my room when i was in sydney and i was pushing like 60 70 hours a week that just being conscious that it was part of a bigger picture and that would lead to something that, you know, that ultimately did as well, you know, lead to, to where I wanted to be in life and the things I wanted to have or the relationships I wanted to have. So first of all, like that, that was the early days of it. And I think if you have nothing else other than some concept of how you're moving forward, it, it assists you in that way. Now, the way I structure it is by, so I run, um, well, did pre-COVID workshops with the, with a lot of guys when they come out of the prison system, and then I work with them for a half day on developing these five year plans, which is where a lot of the structure for it's come from. And the way I set it out, obviously, there's it, it, it a whole half day process to it, but in the quickest way I can describe on here that I hope might help somebody structure it is to first spend some time using an online form or anything else to understand what your personal values are, and mine are like, you know, generosity, freedom. And and, and I've got a couple of others there, but working out what your personal values are like helps refine the things that are going to make you content, maybe not happy because we're also pushing for happiness. And often we have to do shit things towards moving towards those things. But those are the things that will make you content and sometimes really happy as well. And then second to that is having some kind of framework for making decisions. And I call them principles for making decisions. And the way to work that out is you can read Ray Dalio's principles, which is like a free PDF download, or you can read the entire book. But I highly recommend that. He's got a pretty advanced set of principles. We have a set of principles within Fresh Fitness Food as well that we encourage people to work by. But having personal principles for decision making is usually formed by thinking about the last time you made a good decision, particularly like a big decision. And for you guys, might've been starting at Pure Sport or moving jobs or thinking about a career change that's worked out well for you, or it might've been a personal relationship decision or something like that. And I encourage people to think about the things that they did in the lead up to making that decision. And that is often the ap- principle you apply. And often for the guys who come out of prison, it's like, well, I call my mom, you know? And I'm like, cool, that's principle one. You know, the next time you've got a big decision, call your mom because you are now statistically increasing the chances of making a good decision. And so for me, I have a bunch of principles around that, whether it's be objective or, you know, I've got three or three or four to five of them um, that really help me make a good decision. Ask someone that's done it before is one of my top principles because it statistically increases the chances of making a good decision. And then from there, I format out to work goals, personal goals, which are everything from like my fitness that I want to achieve, you know, my 5K time or, you know, my deadlift or anything like that, right through to where I want to travel, books I want to read, podcasts I want to listen to and break it down into all of those different categories. And then having financial goals as well as an individual for maybe how much money you want to earn in a year or how much you want to save and what that looks like on a week to week basis. But topping all of that with just a five-year headline. And the final stage to it is to acknowledge that, like me like i'm not in australia running a restaurant and that's because your five-year goal is never going to pan out you're going to write it tomorrow and it's never going to be the thing you're doing in five years but the goal is progress and moving forward and then having shaping the decisions that you make week to week around that and sometimes that's really scary because you might write a goal that means you should quit your job tomorrow you know and that's kind of scary and people want to shy away from that and they want to move away from pain or they want easy decisions and comfortable things. But I think once you're real with yourself, it's, it's like a really, really powerful thing. And to try to get objective, I often go away to like a non-English speaking country when I write it each year. I rewrite it each year and look at how many of last year's goals I achieved. I try to push for somewhere between like 80 to 90% success rate on previous goals and it's so that's a really easy way of being objective. But otherwise, you know, take yourself for a coffee and put some good tunes on and think about life in the world. It's like Matthew
0: McConaughey going on a walkabout. That's yeah. what he calls it. Every now and again, he needs to go. That's what they call yeah. it in Australia.
2: I think you that's go- where that's from. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: You have to get you have to get out, and it's like um, it's kind of a cool concept because there's you don't have as much narratives coming in from other places because you, I guess when when you do, it, do you drop all connections with people? Is, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. I do, do my best to drop all connections. Like I've been to up near the Arctic Circle. I went up, up in like Norway, which is incredible. Italy, like if you go east coast of Italy rather than west coast of Italy, you kind of, you go where the Italians holiday and it's beautiful down there and you can go for some really cheap flights and get the hell out of London for like 14, 15 pounds on Skyscanner and just sit in a cafe and do it.
0: I uh, used to do that. I used to do all that all the time when I could. And I probably would probably will again because if the world does open up truly james we can go on our own walkabouts. as well we'll go separately because one of us needs to be here but
2: <laughs> <laughs> drink the on the east coast and write a life plan i highly encourage it
0: that truly is a spectacular way to finish unless you have any other knowledge on that because we could deep dive into so many of those sections but uh, as we james could, said, yeah.
2: I, like i said it's usually a half day but i hope that's somewhat yeah, helpful as james
0: yeah. said i think there can be a definitely part two
2: No, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for bringing this together, guys. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for coming in.
0: No worries. Yo, thank you, Pure Sport fan, for tuning in.
2: As a valued listener, we'd like to
1: offer you a 20% discount code site-wide on puresportcbd.com. Use the code PROJECT20 to level up your life. If you like this podcast,
0: like, subscribe, and share with your friends. And remember, no stress, stay blessed, and we'll catch you next time.